Welcome to the True North Podcast. This podcast is about navigating through today's culture in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Let's go. Listen, when Miranda texted me saying that she was going to do that, there there's very few worship songs that I've 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 been very blessed to play um, on uh, several worship teams. And with each worship team, like you have the highlight, you have the the highs, the lows, the mids. And with each one, I have you know I have my favorite memories or my favorite songs, but you know sung by different leaders. But when she texted me that, I'm like, girl, you ain't got to do nothing else. We 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 got seen nothing else. We just seen Defender all day, and I'd and I'd I'd bask in that because there's just if if you if you have if you've been through something and didn't know how you was gonna get out of it, but God, then you're able to sing it a little different. You know, I could you know if you were to follow me to Arizona, it's it's not gonna be the smoothest road trip. Why? Because I've never been there. I'm going to be using Siri. Siri's going to tell me, turn left, turn right, go this way, that. We're going to get there, sure, for sure, but it's, it's not going to be as smooth. But if you ask me, hey, Lindsay, take me to Nashville, oh, I got that in the bag. <laughs> Why? Because I've experienced that before. I know it. I know how to get there. You know, there's something, there's something extra to your praise when you, when you can say, so much better is your way. Why? Because I've tried my way before. I've tried my own decisions. I've tried making a way out of no way and come to find out that my way ain't good enough. It's not fully what I need, but you know, it's so much better as your way. And to sing about hallelujah, great defender. Wow. Not a defender. We're not saying it hallelujah, a defender. Why? Because nobody else can present a defense like he can. He is the great defender, meaning that no matter what you go through, no matter what the ops look like, that's, you know, that's the new term. I'm so glad I got to use that. No matter what the opposition looks like financially, mentally, emotionally, physically, whether it's people, whether it's rumors, whether it's your past, no matter what the opposition looks like, he is the great defender. And this ain't in the notes, but I love the bridge, the when I thought I lost me. When I thought I lost me. Has anybody ever felt lost before? You knew where I left me. You knew. We may feel lost, but we're never lost to him. Before the foundations of the world, he knew exactly where you would be. He knows how many hairs are on the top of our head. So he, we, we can't be lost in him. It's the devil. It's it's what he loves to do to to make this false reality, making it feel like we're lost, making it feel like we're that lost ship at sea. But the great defender, Yahweh. Mm, thank you, Jesus. Oh Lord, we love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. 
Thank you, Jesus. If you was here last week, we, we talked about harvest, and I said that we would continue it this week. So um, if you're taking notes, you just put at the top harvest part two. But today we're going to be talking about the harvest. This is something the Lord put on my heart a couple of weeks ago. He just dropped in my spirit, harvest, harvest. And I told Kelsey when, um, uh, probably about two weeks ago, that around this time I was looking a year ago just at what we were talking about um, this time a year ago and we were talking about the, the seed time and harvest as far as how the farmer sows the seed and tilling the ground and burning the fields and I got excited when I looked over that I was like oh yeah burning the fields and um, and you know even around this time as I'm working um, and I'm driving my routes I get to see you know farmers collecting and uh, collecting seeds collecting the harvest and uh, spoiler alert if you didn't know what harvest mean all it is is a time to gather seed Time to gather the fruit, time to gather the harvest. That's literally what it means. So, you know, last week we talked about gathering the harvest. And, and if you if you weren't here, I encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast plug. Um, but I encourage you to listen to that, um, especially how we learned last week how how could Jesus, you know, the scripture we came from was Matthew chapter 9, verses 37 and 38. How could Jesus look at the disciples and say, when he looked at all the let me just back up for a minute. But in chapter nine, it's full of miracles, miracles on oh, miracles, you know, full of them. And, you know, when we do ministry, you know, when we get ready to leave here, a lot of times we're ready to take a nap. Why? Because we've worked, you know, we've led the people of the Lord. It's time to, it's time to relax. It's time, you know, and as a parent or, a, a, you know, if you got a spouse and you're married or you got kids, you ain't going to get to relax. You know, it's, it's the, the relax that don't, don't come on until, or it don't happen until they all go to sleep, and then you're like, you're too tired, you just you clocked out. And um, so Jesus, he's ministered. I mean, he's he's healed. He's you know he's healed people from the dead. He has healed a paralytic. He's done all these different things. So if anybody's gonna be tired, it should be Jesus. And instead, the Bible says that he looks and sees the multitudes coming, and instantly compassion. He is overwhelmed with compassion, and he begins to serve some more. And right before he serves, he looks at the disciples and says, hey, he said, this is the harvest. Pray that the that the uh, pray that the master would send harvesters to gather the harvest because the harvest is ripe. Do you remember us using that word last week? Ripe. Ripe means the perfect state. Somebody say ripe. So Jesus was able to look at them and see that they were in the perfect state to receive what he was going to do for them. And we said we said last week, well, how can a farmer know? you know, that uh, uh, fruit or vegetable is ripe unless he is the one that planted it. And we won't get into it, but I encourage you to go back and listen. But we talked about how from the beginning of Genesis all the way throughout the Gospels, how he, Jesus, we see him in every book planting seeds, not just him, but the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So today we're going to be in John chapter 4, verses 27 through 35. In the Passion Translation, I'll read 35 in the, in the Mirror Translation, but that'll be at the end. But while you're turning there, John chapter 4, Verses 27 through 35, it's the notorious, let me give you a bat story, but for most of you, you may know this, but if not, it's all good, that's why we get to catch up, but it's the, it's the notorious story of the Samaritan woman encountering Jesus at the well. You know, it's the famous story of the woman at the well, but it's not just famous. I mean, it's it's infamous. Everybody, I mean, it's, it's one that most people have talked about, heard about. Um, I mean, there's movies, plays, uh, shows, um, Spoiler alert, when's The Chosen coming back on? I, I really, soon, okay, I was about to say, man, if they're going to take this long, maybe I need to become a partner and contribute. I, I only send them like $10, $15, but you know, whatever. Ah, oh, man, I don't want to go to the theater. I want to sit in the living room, but okay, cool. 
We'll do that. We'll support. We'll support. If it comes up here, we'll definitely support. All right. I like the free platform. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but in the chosen, they, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. By knowing the chosen, they did a scene or an episode where they did the woman at the well. And um, in John chapter 4, this is a notorious story of the Samaritan woman encountering Jesus. You know, within the story, they go back and forth because she thought she could be in, uh, she thought she would be in the presence of the son and yet not experience exposure. She thought that she could be in the presence of the son, let that marinate, it's a, it's a word play, but she thought she could be in the presence of the son and not experience exposure. But, you know, uh, in this encounter with Jesus, he addressed all of this lady's elephants. Somebody say elephants. See, if you really want to change a person, you have to address or you have to talk to their elephants. See, you, we've all, have you ever heard the expression, you know, the elephant in the room? You know, it's always the big thing that nobody wants to address, but it's, it's obvious, but you never want to address it. You know, um, if you want to, like I said, if you want to change people's minds, you have to talk to their elephants. That's a quote by Pastor Trey Van Camp in his book, The Non-Anxious Pastor. But this one uh, psychologist said this. He said, our brains are divided up into two, ta- uh, two categories, the writer and the elephant. The writer is the uh, is the is the is the reasoning, the side of reasoning, where we get all uh, how we reason things, how we analyze things, our rational thinking. Um, the elephant is the emotional side of things, the emotional side of things. And watch this: the elephant is driven by passion, desire, and gut instincts. The elephant always wins when it comes to the the battle between the elephant and the rider. Why? Because the elephant is too massive to move. Any of y'all ever try to move an elephant before? Exactly. All right. Our emotions, you think about it, your emotions, when it comes to your emotions compared to rational thinking, unfortunately, your emotions win every time. But watch this. Jesus isn't afraid of confronting our elephants. Jesus is in the business of confronting your elephants. Jesus was in the business of confronting this lady at the well. He was in, he was in the business, not just confronting her rational thinking. No, he was, hey, we're going to address the obvious in the room. You had, you're not just married to one. You've been married five times, and the person you're with is not your husband right now. That's what it does. He begins to confront her elephants. Why? Because he knows, hey, if I can confront the thing that you're trying to hide from me, but it's so obvious and it's taken over your life, that's how, I'm, that's how I'm going to change what's going on in your life. That's how we change people's life, by not avoiding the topics, dancing around, you know, oh, I don't want to say this. Da, da, da. No. Sometimes pray. Don't, don't, don't be a bull in a china shop. I'm still praying for that because sometimes I just want to, bah. Like, let's just talk about it. Come on, let's get it out. Let's go. Dukes up. Let's go. You know, but pray with grace and say, okay, Lord, give me grace. Give me wisdom how to address this thing that is so obvious in the room. Amen. Amen. But Jesus isn't afraid of confronting your elements. Now, in verse uh, in verse 27, in the Passion Translation, I love this. It says, at the moment, the disciples returned and were stunned to see Jesus speaking with the Samaritan woman. Yet none of them dared to ask him why or what they were discussing. All at once, the woman dropped her water jar and ran off to her village and told everyone. Can you go back to verse 27 for me? Sorry, that was my bad. 
I love this. Watch this. At the moment the disciples returned, they were stunned to see Jesus speaking with the Samaritan woman. Why were they stunned? The reason they were stunned was because, if you don't know, Samarita, when it came to, uh, we all have ever heard the feud, the Hatfields and McCoys, you know, the famous one. I don't even know if that thing is still in Pigeon Forge or not, if it's not RIP. It is? Okay, cool. But, you know, it's, you know, it's, a, it's a rip one, an actual feud that existed um, for eons. And who knows, it probably still could. We don't know. But, you know, the Hatfields and McCoys weren't the first two people groups that had a, a notorious feud. We can look back in history. We can look in the Bible and see that it was the Samaritans and the Jews. The Jews looked down on the Samaritans because most time the Samaritans were made up of, of mixed race. They were multi-ethnic. It was a multi-ethnic race. It wasn't always just one particular people group. It was a bunch of different people groups, clung, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, grouped together. And also, a lot of times, the Jews looked at them as lower class because they worship, the Samaritans didn't just worship God. They worshiped multiple gods. They worshiped all these different things. So they looked at them as, as lower class, and they treated them wrongly. They treated them uh, not like the way we're supposed to treat people, amen? And the Samaritans knew the Samaritans didn't feel pity on themselves. Therefore, they're like, oh, you're gonna treat, we're going to treat you the same way. They gave it right back to them, and they had this feud. So the fact that the disciples, they were stunned to see Jesus speaking to somebody, hey, does he not know that's a Samaritan? And what's crazy is because, you know, they were stunned to see Jesus speaking to, you know, I, I looked up the, uh, the, you know, some of the things that, were, that they were, the way that Jews would view Samaritans, they viewed them as a, a sinner sinner. Like, oh, that's a, you know, you, we shouldn't be classifying. But if you've ever grown up in church, you know, we, unfortunately, we have this label of, oh, you know, that's just a sinner saved by grace. Oh, that, that's a sinner sinner. You know, oh, they, they, we're not supposed to label it. But unfortunately, in our humanistic minds, we do. And they would claim they would they would see them as sinner sinners or or half breeds, um, a mutt, a breaker of the law, et cetera, et cetera. But watch this. The harvest for this house will not look like who you think it should look like. They were surprised because they're like, wait, Jesus, is that you? Yes, it's me. Jesus talking to somebody that isn't ideal for them to be ministering to. Not only is he talking, he is pouring life into he's the life giver. So therefore, when he's talking to somebody, he's giving life. He's giving newness of life. And they are, they are appalled. But like I said, the harvest for this house, somebody say this house. The harvest for this house is not going to look like who we think it should look like. It's not going to look like who we've dreamed it to look like. It's not going to look like who, who tradition or denominations have always said. But the harvest, may, uh, the harvest for this house may be people that have different beliefs than you. The harvest for this house may be people that have different sexual preferences. It may be people with a criminal background. It may be people who have never been to church. It may be people who smoke or vape or drink or cuss or shoot up or whatever it is. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, Jesus was able to look at the harvest and what he didn't look at them and, and judgment instantly rose up. He didn't look at them and say, ah, oh, obligation rose up no he looked at the harvest he looked at the multitudes of people that did not look like him did not sound like him did not talk like him did not walk in reverence like him did not read the scriptures or study the scriptures did not attend a, a tabernacle service he looked at those people and had compassion and began to give life to them our struggle is can we do that or are we gonna no no it's, it's us versus them and unfortunately, with the church, not just this church, but the church as a whole, we've always clumped at us, us versus them, us versus the secular world. 
us versus da da da. I'm just be honest. Before you got saved, you was a part of them. Before we got saved, we were a part of them. And somebody with compassion rose up and sowed a seed in whoever it was that spoke to you. And guess what? Now you are here. So now it's time to pay it forward and say, okay, let's sow seeds. Let's begin to sow seeds. How do we sow seeds? Through eyes of compassion. Amen? Amen. Somebody say harvest. Listen to this. The Pew Research Group did a study with the with the uh, did a study and with the rise of nuns in 50 years from now, the nuns will be the majority and Christians will be the minority. Now, when I say nuns, I'm not talking about the Catholic, you know, nuns, you know, you know, sister at two, sister at one. Somebody I think I read that there's trying to bring it back. Hopefully not. It's a it's a great movie. Just leave it like it is. Um, but I'm, when I say nuns, I'm not talking about, you know. Catholicism, I'm talking about nuns, people that have, uh, people that literally subscribe to no affiliation with any type of religion at all. And the Pew Research Group, they have done a study to where back in the 90s, Christianity was the majority and everything else was the minority. But the way the trend is looking now, the way that uh, churches are losing men, losing pastors to, with scandals or just not being honest, the way the way the world is turning, I sound like a sound like that uh, that soap opera. As the world turns, but the way the world is turning, the way things are looking in 50 years, it's looking like Christianity will be the minority and people not becoming affiliated, not associating with God or any type of religion, any type of deity. That's going to be the majority. And it may be sad, it may be scary, but at the end of the day, if we don't get over our hyper-spiritual, denominational, or traditional bondage, then we will see that timeline come a lot sooner. We'll see it come a lot sooner. We'll see it come a lot sooner. Lindsay, what are we supposed to do? We act like Jesus. We look like Jesus. We sound like Jesus. We talk like Jesus. It's not impossible. It's not, it's really not impossible. I'm getting ahead of the notes, but it's, it's, it's a simple choice. It is a choice. It is a choice. Amen? Amen. Your emotions, they may be emotional, but they're not concrete. Our emotions may be emotional, but they're not concrete. Amen? Amen. Watch this in verse 28. We'll just listen to verse 28 through 30. It says this, all at once the woman dropped her water jar and ran off to her village and told everyone, Come and meet a man at the well who told me everything I've ever done. He could be the anointed one we've been waiting for. In verse 30, watch this. Hearing this, the people came streaming out of the village to go see Jesus. Eastern Orthodox Christianity, because it's the month of October. I'm going to give you some theology. We're going to talk about a little bit of the Reformation a little bit. If you didn't know, uh, October 31st, it's you know the day that Martin Luther nailed the 95 Thesis to the wall. And we, and we, we talked about it last year. Oh, I, I get super super nerdy, super excited when I think about it. Can't wait. We're going to talk about it some more throughout the month and then capitalize on the end. But anyways, Eastern Orthodox Christianity, they, uh, uh, they, they have identified the woman at the well as a lady by the name of uh, Fotini. Somebody say Fotini. Fotini. Watch this. Fotini, they, they uh, you know, if it, you, I encourage you to look this up, but she is considered to be equal with the apostles equal with the apostles. She was also a martyr. History records her as the first New Testament evangelist to win a city to Christ. To win a city to Christ. When I, when I was looking this up, I was, I was I, listen, I, bads were under the eyes. I'm like, oh, Lord, just come on. I'm looking this up. I was like, oh, oh, snap. 
First woman. Y'all, you, you, if you could have seen me, I was like, oh, sucka, sucka. Look at her. Progressive. Okay. No, but the history records her. Not, not man made up. No, history records her as the first New Testament evangelist. Not just the first New Testament evangelist. First one to win a city. Somebody say city. city. A city for Jesus. And what's crazy is we, 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 in the Western church, we love to, we love to throw out this, the, the verse, well, you know, a woman shouldn't be in the pulpit. A woman shouldn't do this. A woman shouldn't do that. Da, da, da. But with Jesus, we see that she's the first one to win an entire city. And, and when I discovered this instantly, I saw, I saw my petty self being like, let, let somebody come up to me and throw that verse. I'm like, oh, oh, let's get the Bible out. Let's look at this. You see, you see this woman? She won an entire city. What, what, what you doing? Where, where's your city at that you want for Jesus? I ain't want a city. So I, I, I can't talk. I haven't been talking, but when I look at this, I'm like, shoot, Lindsay, you ain't want no, look at this. She won a city for Jesus. She won a city. And watch this. She didn't have a YouTube channel. She didn't have an Instagram channel. She didn't have a Facebook. She didn't have a podcast. She didn't have Facebook marketing. She didn't have radio ads. She didn't have TV ads. What did she have? What does she have that we all, that we have now that for some reason we haven't tapped into yet? I mean, like you think about it, we got Wi-Fi, we got indoor plumbing, thank you, Jesus. We have electricity. We, I mean, we have all the things. We should be killing it when it, comes to, when it comes to making disciples, when it comes to raising the dead, when it comes to healing, laying, when it comes to doing all these things. But for some reason, she had one thing that we as the church have failed to capitalize on. You know what she had? She had a face-to-face encounter with Jesus. She was at the well, and she had a face-to-face encounter with Yahweh, with the Son of God, the Creator. She had a face-to-face encounter with the Word made flesh. She talked to him. He talked back to her. She was transparent and told him who she, like everything that was going on, and she received what he had to say. She received him ministering. Watch this. She received him calling her out, calling her on her crap and saying, listen, this is who you really are. Not this, but this is who you really are. And she received it. And she received it to the point that she was encouraged, inspired, and transformed to the point that she had to go run and tell everybody. Not just one person, but everybody in the city. Can you imagine that type of commitment? That you're like, hey, this guy, he saw who I really am. All y- y'all know who I am. Listen, to, it, she, wasn't, she wasn't a stranger to the village or the community. They knew who she was. They knew that she was the woman that, ah, oh, there she goes. She got a new man, got a new one. What about the old one? Y'all, y'all remember when she did the Carl? Yeah, I, yeah, uh-huh. Carl just sitting over there all sad and stuff. Well, now she with Ricky. I mean, they knew they knew who she was. Now Ricky. Then she left Ricky for Josh. I mean, like, come on. As the village turns, there goes woman at the well again. And watch this. She knew everybody knew her mistakes and she didn't care. Why? Because she saw that the glory was so much better than what she was, uh, what she used to form or exist in. She's like, no, no, hey, I got a new identity. Let me tell you about who gave it to me. And it wasn't just one person. It was the next person, the next person to the point the scriptures is the whole village came looking. Hey, who's this guy that transformed this lady? I want that. I want that. And Jesus looked and said, the harvest is ripe. 
He didn't look and say, and imagine if he, if he could have had traditional eyes or denominational eyes or eyes of religion. He never would have ministered to that woman, let alone win a whole entire village. What happens when we take the blinders off and we take the scales off and we say, okay, I, I know I'm used to it this way, but what happens when I step back and reevaluate and say, okay, Lord, how do you want me to do this? How do you want me to approach this person? I'm having to do that every day. We, we talked about it a few focus nights ago, but there's, uh, you know, for those that are here, I won't get fully into it, but God is dealing with me on a certain people group that I'm like, okay, Lord, this is, this is risque, but you know what? You love them too. So if you love them too, what am I supposed to? Oh, I'm supposed to love them too? Okay. Not supposed to see it as awkward? Not supposed to see it as, uh, not supposed to be like the disciples being appalled that Jesus will talk to her. No. Be like, oh, Jesus is talking to her. Let's go talk to. Let's go join in too. Let's go bring more too. Somebody say harvest. But she had a face-to-face encounter. A face-to-face encounter. She didn't have all the, all the resources that we have today. Not just this church, but every church in America. Like, if you wanted to, you could pull out your phone and you start a YouTube channel right now. You start it. Why? Because we have the access to that type of technology. You can start a Facebook ministry. You can start a social media ministry. You can start, you know, Zoom call, all that kind of stuff. They didn't have that. But still, they were, unfortunately, they were more committed than we are today. What's going to happen when we have that face-to-face encounter with Jesus? On the daily. Somebody say daily. daily. On the daily. Watch this in verse 31. It says this. <clears throat> then the disciples begin to insist that Jesus eat some of the food they brought back from the village, saying, Teacher, you must eat something. <clears throat> and watch this. But Jesus told them, Don't worry about me. I've eaten a meal you don't know about. See, pause. This, this in the Lindsay Mount translation Lindsay and Jesus, uh, that's why Jesus had to do this, and Lindsay couldn't. The disciples were like, Lindsay, we brought back food. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I've been waiting. Let's go. Like, you know, 12 o'clock, it's time. But Jesus says, no, I have eaten a meal that you don't even know about. Watch this. In the original text, the word Jesus used for food is a specific word that means nutrients. So he wasn't just saying, I've had food that you don't know. I've had nutrients. I've had something that's been put, uh, I've, I've been, uh, you know, I've had, I've, I've become revitalized within what I've just done. Nutrients. But also, it's, it's a very specific word, nutrients, but also it's commonly translated as kingdom. Two words, nutrients and kingdom. Jesus has a kingdom feast when no one else knows about. So in this moment, he's telling them, I've had a kingdom feast. That nobody else knows about. Jesus, I wrote this down. Jesus, I, I don't know why I just, I just, I just hear that a lot. But Jesus, he feasts upon the, the, he feasts upon the devotion of his bride. The devotion of his bride is what he feasts upon. The devotion of you, the person you see in the mirror. That's what, that's what feeds him. And the physical, in the physicality, he may like, yeah, he may have not ate, but for some reason, when he did all that, and he was, and he saw how she was transformed, and how she could not stop but run and tell everybody, and how they came and they received, and we we won't get in fully into it, but if you look at the latter part of the verse or the latter part of the chapter, it literally says that they knew that they had heard that he was the son of God, but now they believe that he was the son of God. And he said, this is what I feed upon. This is what gives me nutrients. This is what gives me sustainability. Sustainability. Amen. Amen. 
in verse 33, in verse 33, in verse 34. Wow, we're getting through this very quick. I didn't think we was get through this that quickly. Good job, Lindsay. No. Verse 33 says, puzzled by this, because they were, I, I would have been like the disciples too. What do you mean, you, you fool? You ain't eat nothing, Jesus. <laughs> Hello, you know. Y'all didn't hear about the 13th disciple, Lindsay. You know, Lindsay would be like, hey, hey Peter. Hey, Peter, what, you know. Anyways. <laughs> Verse 33, it says, puzzled by this, the disciples begin to discuss among themselves, did someone already bring him food? That was me right there. Did someone already bring him food? Where did he get his meal? Verse 34, then Jesus spoke up and said, my food is to be doing the will of him who sent me and bring it to what? Completion. The word that God does in your life, God isn't a half of God. Amen. You ever been around that person that only does half a job, quarter of a job, da, 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 and you got to. God isn't like that. God is in the business of completion. Amen. He's a finisher. You know, you know when I, I don't watch a whole lot of baseball, but one of my favorite positions in baseball is the pitcher because I think it's just mind-blowing for somebody to be able to throw a ball about that size 100 miles an hour. Just not even – you get you, – 85, shoot. I can't throw no 85. I might, I might get you 20. I'll give you 27. Yeah, we'll, we'll say – give me some vitamins. I'll give you 27 on a good day. But the fact that they can throw 85, 95, 100, there's this one pitcher from the, uh, uh, the Nationals. I remember when I was in high school, he was throwing 101, and he was only 19 years old. And I was like, whoo. And I, I, loved, I loved the pitcher. That's my favorite, my favorite position. But within that, there's, there's an even, there's, there's like, you know, there's, uh, there's a tutelage or not even tutelage. There's an there's a order to it. But you know what? The best ones, you know what they're called? Closers. The closer. You know what the closer does? The closer comes in when the game is on the line and the team's like, hey, we need you to close this game out. We don't need any, we don't need the opposition getting any more runs. We need you to strike out everybody. The and the closer knows he's the closer. That's the, when you see the closer, you're like, that's a bad man. The closer he comes out, he know he, it's it's time. He 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 ain't gotta be like, hey, I'm the closer. Let me no, no, he comes out just just casual. Gets the ball, the pitcher hand, or the pitcher that was formerly throwing hands on the ball, get it done. Gotcha. He he does this little stuff, all that. I mean, you 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 go go watch some baseball. Wait till the seven. Wait till the, like the last the last three innings when the closer comes out. Watch that. And sometimes if they're in a pinch, they'll they'll put them out in the fifth inning. Like, hey, we need you. We you you have to work today. But the closer he knows why he knows what his job is. It's to finish this strong. Finish this game strong. Don't allow the opposition to trifle us anymore, but put them in their place. Put them in their – complete this game. Complete this series. God is in the business of completion. Amen. Jesus is the author and the finisher of your faith. We need to – uh-huh. We, we, we probably need to start allowing him to finish some things in our life. Amen. We, we had no problem allowing him to start something. We'll go to, oh, man, I received a word. Yes, God's going to do, do, do. And then, we, and then for some reason, we like to, we, we try to finish it. We try to take the will, and we try to drive ourselves to the destination. We try to make it happen. But I encourage you, start letting God finish some things in your life. Start letting him finish some things in your life. And you may be in the season where you're, I mean, you have no problem letting him finish. It's letting him start. Okay, well, start letting him start things in your life. Let him be the one that puts the keys in the ignition and turns it. 
Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 34. <clears throat> then Jesus spoke up and said, my food is to be doing the will of him who sent me and bring it to completion. Somebody say completion. So Jesus, by saying that statement, was trying to turn their attention from the material to the spiritual. He's trying to turn their attention from the material to the spiritual. His food was to do the will of God, to finish the work. Can the same be said about us? Can the thing that gives us joy, peace, satisfaction, sustainability, can that be the very thing that, uh, the, the thing that does that? Can it be us doing the will of God? Can we have sustainability? Can we be okay with doing the will of God even if nobody sees us? You know, that was the, that was the hard thing about David. David being an anointed king. And you know, if I'm anointed king, if I'm David, I'll shoot. Y'all heard, boy. Tell all my brothers, hey, the king, man. Y'all heard of LeBron James? Don't worry about it because I'm the king. All right? And then, but the Bible says, <laughs> don't. <laughs> I had to. But the Bible says that he was anointed king and then went back to watching the sheep. And it didn't say that he went, that everybody watched him as he went back to the sheep. Everybody was around, standing by the fence, but hey, you know, cameras watching David, all this. Hey, there's David, the form, the, the, the king that he's, he's tending the sheep. Oh, and it didn't say that everybody gave him applause as he, as he was taking care of the sheep. Oh, there's a, there's a lion. Oh, look at David. He slayed the lion. Taking care of the, oh, David. No, it said that in private. He was anointed king and then went back to doing what the last thing that God told him to do. Can we be okay with doing the last thing God told us to do? Can we be okay with doing the last thing God told us to do, even if nobody else heard it? Even if nobody else heard it. I remember when I was in Bible college, a lesson I'm still having to learn. A lesson the Lord taught me was, you know, that I remember one time the Lord gave me a word. And I was so excited. He gave it to me in my prayer time. I went to school and day. I told so-and-so about it. And their response was, oh, that's good. And instantly I'm like, that's good. Two, y'all gonna laugh. Two thoughts popped in my head. Number one was, man, they must be in sin. <laughs> I won't tell you who it was, because <laughs> then you be like, Lindsay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, they must be in sin. I told them I had a word from the Lord. The second one was, well, maybe I didn't hear the Lord, and I thought that because of their response. And the Lord told me in that moment, He said, Hey, Lindsay, was this person with you yesterday in your bedroom when you heard me? And I'm like, Well, no. Okay, then who, who was in there with you? And I'm like, well, nobody. Exactly. So you cannot, you cannot hold people hostage if they don't respond to you, respond to the word that I give you when they weren't there. And I was like, okay, okay. And it's a lesson I'm still having to learn. Can we be okay? Can we, can we still trust God if nobody else is responding to the call on your life like you would respond to it? That's heavy. Can you be okay with if God says, okay, I need you to stay in this position. I need you to stay in this location. I need you to stay at this job. I need you to stay in this home. I need you to stay in this family. I need you to stay with this. I need you to do this. I need you to do that. I need you to. Can we be okay with that? And okay doesn't look like, okay, okay, like my kids, okay, oh, daddy, okay. Even Cohen started to do it now. Y'all pray for him. Call him a couple of times. Cohen, oh, don't you start, kid. <laughs> you be that joyous little baby we brought into this world, all right? <laughs> but can we be okay with it? Can our food be doing the will of God? 
can your food be doing the will of God? Not saying you, you don't eat it anymore. I'm not, trust me, I'm the last person that's going to tell you that. But what I'm saying is, can the thing that brings you substance, can it be you saying yes to Jesus tomorrow morning, tomorrow night, Tuesday, th- Wednesday, third? Can, can that be the thing that be your food? Amen? Amen. I want to end with verse 35. <clears throat> verse 35, and I encourage you to read the rest of this chapter, but in verse 35, as the crowds emerged from the village, Jesus said to his disciples, why would you say the harvest is another four months away? Look at all the people coming. Now is harvest time. Let me say that again. Look at all the people coming. Now is what? Harvest time. For their hearts are like vast fields of ripened grain. There's that word ripe again. Ready for a spiritual harvest. Ready for a spiritual harvest. In the mirror translation, it sounds like this. Jesus says, would you say that it will take another four months for the seed to ripen in the ear? This is not the food that I'm talking about. The fruit of your own toil will never satisfy permanently. I want to show you the real harvest. From now on, look at people differently. See them through your father's eyes and you will know that they are ripe and ready to discover how perfectly mirrored they are in me. Amen. Amen. So that's because Jesus said, I'm going to just break down the mirror verse. But it said, Jesus said, the fruit of your own toil will never satisfy permanently. He could have left it as the fruit of your own toil will never satisfy. But he said the fruit of your own toil, it's not going to satisfy permanently, which means that, you know, you can you can do the work. You can jump through the hoops. You can stress. You can strive. And it's going to give you the feeling and the appearance of you're doing something. But eventually the bottom is going to fall out. Why? Because you weren't made to you weren't made to sustain your life. Let, let me prove it to you. Who, who in here told your heart to beat this morning? Anybody tell you tell your heart to beat this? You didn't, and it's still beating. Oh, that's a good God. Amen. Who who in here told your eyes to blink? Anybody tell your eyes to blink? You didn't. Oh, that's a good God. Anybody tell your lungs to to differentiate between oxygen and carbon monoxide? Mm. You didn't. That's a good God. Anybody tell yourself to fix a cup of coffee? That's a good God, too. That's a good God, too. (laughs) But you weren't meant to sustain your life. You weren't meant to sustain your life. I wish I could remember that that quote that was on that cookie you got yesterday because it would fit perfectly in here. Do you remember it? It was like man, man was meant for life, but man was born to live, not prepared to live. Yes, man was meant to live, not prepared to live. Born to live. Born to live. Not heir. Gotcha. Mm, that's a bar. But Jesus said, "The fruit of your tool will never satisfy permanently." Somebody say permanently. So us doing what we do, us jumping through the hoops, us, us doing everything that we can on our own strength, eventually it's going to give. Eventually it's going to give. So we can waste all of our energy just to run to God at the end. Or, somebody say, or. There's another option. Wait, there's more. We can just give it to him in the very beginning. We can just trust him in the very beginning. We can trust and say, okay, Lord, 
You're the author and the finisher. So you know the, you know the way this is supposed to go. Okay, I'm just going to submit to you. I'm just going to trust you. I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to put my confidence in you. Jesus said, I want to show you the real harvest. Are you humble enough to put aside your pride and religion and to say, oh, Lord, show me the real harvest? Because, see, the disciples, they had their own interpretation of that Jesus was going to come and save all the Jews. When Jesus was like, no, this goes beyond one race. I'm saving the whole world. The whole world. And that's why he said, come with me. Let me show you the real harvest. See, the real harvest, like we said earlier, the real harvest is multi-ethnic. The real harvest is all age groups. I love that. From the season all the way down to the formula. The real harvest is it might have it might have people with disabilities. The real harvest might have people that are atheists. The real harvest might have people that are gay, might have people that are straight, might have people that don't know who they are or what they are. But with you, when we choose to see through Papa's eyes, can we choose to see through Papa's eyes? Because he's able to see through all that, bypass all that, and compassion raises up, and he begins to give life, the life giver. If you look, if, I'm not, you don't have to, but if you look this, this chapter up in the Aramaic, it doesn't just say that he, that he sat with the woman at the well. It says that the life giver was with the woman at the well, Amen. emphasizing that he was giving her newness of life. He's in the business of giving everybody newness of life. You know what newness of life looks like? It looks, it looks like everything that is old falling away. It looks like fatigue not being a thing anymore. It looks like anxiety not being an overwhelming thing anymore. It looks like high blood pressure leveling out. It looks like that. It looks like sickness and disease finally becoming healed. It looks like anxiety and triggers and trauma and depression. It looks like all those things subsiding and freshness, newness of life. It looks like us waking up and saying, okay, Lord, lead me and guide me. It doesn't say, it, 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 it doesn't, you know, mean that we're not going to have bills. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have trouble. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have uh, tribulations because Jesus said those things will come. But in newness of life, we know that as we face those things, we're not facing those things alone. You know, I said a few weeks ago, but if we can understand what it really means to follow Jesus, Following Jesus looks like there's a lion in front of you, on both sides of you, and behind you. Everywhere you go. Everywhere you go. Everywhere you go. You are never alone. We got the lion with us. One of my favorite Christian artists, he says, we got the lion with us. That, that's what it means to follow Jesus. It means, that, and last time I checked, you know, you know, has anybody ever come in contact with the lion before? I, I didn't think so. You come in contact with the lion, what you doing? You running. You, you running or you doing something else, and I ain't going to embarrass you. But you, you, you're running away. Why? Because there's something intimidating about a lion. And the fact that he describes himself as the lion of Judah should give us confidence to know that all the opposition that we face, it's nothing compared to what he brings to the table. On the daily. On the daily transformation this is what it looks like this is what the real harvest looks like and when we choose to see through papa's eyes can we choose to see through papa's eyes or we will or will we continue to boycott everything that is the opposite of what we think we know 
you know, we live in a world where it's very divided. I mean, a few weeks ago, people were upset about the the remake of The Little Mermaid. I mean, me and DJ, we was talking about that through test measures because we thought it was hilarious. But unfortunately, it's to the point that people people love what people love. Unfortunately, we live in a society where people love what we love and people hate what they hate. And there's no gray area. There's no middle ground. The church, we are supposed to be the ones that show them how to move past what is unideal. We're supposed to be the ones that show them how to carry their cross. <clears throat> but unfortunately, we, we live in a society where people are either for it or they boycott it. And the Lord, the Lord told me this last night, but what if Jesus boycotted you? What if Jesus boycotted you? Where would you be? Where would you be if Jesus boycotted you? Makes me think of that song we used to sing as a kid. Where would I be? You only know. Or where would we be if he canceled us? We live in a canceled culture. Where would we be if he canceled us? But why do you think Jesus said to follow him? You must carry your cross daily. Why do you think he said that? When he said, hey, if you're going to follow me, you have to carry your cross daily. On one side of the coin, carrying our cross daily literally means to deny the flesh. We've all heard that. But the other reason is because the cross was meant for everybody. Not just one person, not just for churchgoers, not just for people that read the Bible, not just for people that pray, not just for people that dress up, but it was meant for everybody. So when he said, carry your cross, he was saying, hey, I need you to not exclude anyone. I need you to include everyone with the love that I've given you. He didn't say that you're a lamp placed on a lampstand for a certain group of people. He didn't say that we were a city on a hill for a certain region. He said, you are a city on a hill for all to see, all to see, all to see. Amen. Amen. So let me challenge you with this and, and I promise we're done. So I encourage you when, we, when you go home, read John 4, chapter 4, verses 1 through 42, read verses 1 through 42, fully get all of this. That's one of my challenges for you to go home. I remember when we last year when I first started I would give I would give homework or give reading notes and all that and I'm like you know what we need to get back to some of that but reading notes go home and read John chapter 4 verses 1 through 42 don't just you know I feel like LeVar Burton at the end of reading rainbow don't just take my word for it try it don't just take this message don't just take this sermon go home and read it for yourself amen don't shake don't shake your head it was a bop all right it was good it sounded better in my head okay I'm just saying but, you know, when you read verses 1 through 42, I want you to put an asterisk beside this or definitely pay attention to what happens in verses 39 through 42. What happens through the Samaritan woman. Okay. And I encourage you, look up her. Look up. This is how you spell her name. P-H-O-T-I-N-I. P-H-O-T-I-N-I. She's also known as the mother of evangelist. The mother of evangelist. All because she had a face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus. What are you going to be known as? What are you going to be remembered as the moment you have a face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus? On the daily. Not just on Sunday mornings. Not just when we're singing, so much better your way. But can you sing so much better your way in, in your car on the way to work? In your car when you're on your way to go pay a bill that you don't want to pay? When you're in your car or when you're pumping gas and you're wondering, how am I going to pay for this? Or I only got to get this much because I got a, I got a budget. Can you still sing that from your heart? Not just from your head, but from your heart. But she was known as the mother of evangelists because she had a face-to-face -face encounter with Yahweh. With Yahweh, amen? 
I want to give you a liturgy. A liturgy is a form of worship, also a prayer for you to pray this week. And but literally it says, Lord, purge my eyes to see within the seed a tree. Lord, purge my eyes to see within the seed a tree. To see within the, the glowing egg a bird. To see within the shroud a butterfly. Let me be taught through this to see you in all things. If you need that, then I could give it to you. But literally it says, Lord, purge my eyes. You know, let me pray that. Lord, purge our eyes this morning. Purge our, our eyes in order to see within the seed a tree. To see within the glowing egg a bird. To see within the shroud a butterfly. Lord, teach us through this right here to see you in all things. You know, if you were to ask a farmer what a tomato looks like, you know, he's going to give you, he's going to give you the seed. And us, because we don't plant on the daily, we, we just see that as a seed. But in his eyes, he sees that as a ripe tomato. A ripe tomato. He looks at the seed and he can see a full ripe tomato. Papa saw you before the foundations of the earth. Mm. He saw you before the foundations of the earth. What will your vision look like when you see people with his eyes? What will your vision look like when we see people through his eyes? It's going to look like us being patient with people. Even, even on the hundredth attempt, it's going to look like us holding our tongue. It's going to look like us fortifying that shield wall. Amen. I have a feeling we'll talk more about harvest next week on, on the on we'll break it down some more. But when Jesus said harvest, he wants us to know that, hey, this is the time we need to be gathering, gathering, gathering. And how do we gather? Well, first off, we have to make sure that we have no bias. We have no bias. You know, when a when a when a jury is selected for a case, they want everybody to be unbiased. They want everybody to be unbiased. You know, if you're if you're going to do the work of the Lord, you have to be unbiased. You have to see people and be like, okay, that's a whole household right there that God wants to do something in. Because I'm pretty sure somebody else had the eyes of compassion and saw whoever it was that sowed a seed in your life. Amen. Where would you be if that seed was never sown? It's time we do the same. Amen.